Hi, I'm Shannon Green, and you're listening to On Extremism, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the causes, manifestations, and responses to violent extremism. In this series, we'll talk to top experts, policymakers, and practitioners about one of the most important issues of our time. The goal of the podcast is to build a mosaic of voices, each of which speaks to a different element of how we can better counter violent extremism around the world. Our podcast is made possible by the CSIS Commission on Countering Violent Extremism, chaired by former British Prime Minister Tony Blair and former U.S. Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta. This commission is developing a comprehensive roadmap for the next administration on how to prevent the radicalization and recruitment of young people into violent extremist organizations. For more information on the commission, please visit www.csis.org. I'm honored to introduce our first guest for this podcast series, Muhammad Majid, the Imam of the Al Dulles Area Muslim Society or Adam Center, and the chairman of the International Interfaith Peace Corps. The Adam Center is the biggest Muslim congregation in the United States, and Imam Majid has been instrumental in shepherding its expansion. Through religious programming and a wide array of community outreach efforts, Imam Majid has transformed the Adam Center into one of the most vibrant and lively religious organizations in the country. Meanwhile, he has coordinated extensively with law enforcement officials, in particular with the FBI, in an effort to round out his efforts to engage with and prevent the radicalization of Muslim youth. There was no one I would rather have with us to launch this podcast. Imam Majid, welcome, and thanks for hosting us here at the Adam Center. Thank you, Shannon. Thanks so much. Great. So let's start with probably the trickiest question when it comes to countering violent extremism, and that is, why are people drawn to violent extremist organizations and movements? Um, There's many reasons of people joining uh, such organization, and uh, I call them a cult of terror, because if you look to the methodology uh, of the recruitments, it's a recruit of a cult. Um, there's a social reasons, there's psychological, emotional reason, there's a political reason, but there's ideological components. And in order for us to understand why, we have to look into the, all the areas on all of those dimensions. Uh, I've been counseling youth and interviewing youth who've joined who are in prison now, join this organization, and I'm part of a project that interviewing um, 300 youth in Africa. Um, now they interview 70 people. We'll be looking into why uh, those people have joined. Therefore, you have to think of the following um, aspect of it. Number one, most of the people that I know being recruited into violence extremism in the United States, they have little knowledge of Islam itself. And they were in transition from being non-religious to become religious. And in that transition, they were searching in the internet for their Islamic identity, and they want to uh, be able to live their faith. And they end up in the wrong place in the virtual community. 
uh, this one aspect of it. But also, you can look into some of them to see some of them have emotional, psychological, also issues. Uh, issue of identity, the issue of uh, the uh, lack of sense of purpose, although they may be in medical school, they may be in engineering school, some of them in dental school, and 4.0 students. But they were looking for something bigger. Uh, and they're looking for uh, participating in transformation of society because themselves, they felt that they've been transformed or become religious and they wanted to channel their energy of change. Some of them have very good intention in the beginning and they wanted really to do something for people being oppressed, people being wronged, and uh, people who are having a difficult time in, in, in majority Muslim countries, but they chose the wrong path because the people misled them. And the, and the reason they get in is different from the reason they're staying. That's a very important point. The reason they joined is different from the, from the reason they stay. People, when they join, they might join for different reasons that I mentioned. Um, they were psychologically receptive. They were in emotion, that's transitions. And the reason they stay, because sometimes they offer them money, they offer them, you know, let's just be open with it. They open them sex for young people, teenagers, and they offer them a leadership. They, and also they threaten them. Also, if you leave, you'll be killed. Therefore, all of this uh, are the issues at why people sometimes stay. Some people, when they join, they find whatever they've been promised is not right, is wrong, and they want to leave. Therefore, there's many more than one dimension of why people joined uh, such a cult. Well, given how multifaceted that um, challenge is, what strategies have you seen practice both here in the United States but also in Africa and elsewhere for countering you know all of those different you know drivers but also you've talked about the incessancy of recruitment so you know the fact I would tell you my own experience I, I counseled a young man who was very attracted to ISIS and he was saying that when he was um, reading the material of ISIS looked like looked it looked to him like candy. And he said that even to the New York Times article, they interviewed him. And 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 then I, I sat with him and said to him, why did you change your mind then? And he realized that although they may look religious, they might promise you the most pure society, the utopia of, of living in the um, uh, the kingdom of God, but he realized that killing of innocent people, like journalism, uh, journalist, and killing of uh, you know uh, the people who work for nonprofit and uh, aid workers, mm -hmm. uh, it is com it is really a violation of the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. And he realized that the way they justify that killing is just go in the very clear manner and uh, terms, again, is the teaching of the Prophet. And then uh, I asked him, um, why in, in the beginning you thought that, you know, 
they're, they're good. He said, because they spoke the language of let's bring justice, uh, let us uh, bring pride, uh, restore dignity, uh, help the people in need, uh, poor people, create a harmonious society. He said, the thing that every young person wants to have and live up your, live your potential, practice your religion the way you want, uh, help your brothers and sisters in Syria, uh, they need you now, not tomorrow. Uh, every day that you delay joining them, you you you, you know people you cause people to die before they need you to be there with them. And then he looked and says, "Are they really helping people, or are they causing more problems?" Now they brought all this war against them, and they have attacked even the Syrian uh, group opposition. Uh, they have uh, blocked aid to people. Therefore, he did his research, and I helped him with the ideological aspect of it. And then he wrote an article, Why I Will Not Join ISIS. Uh, and of course, he's, he looked for, the, he, he said, he stated, uh, you need to use the most strongest hard power that in his mind to wipe them out. <laughs> because the Prophet Muhammad described them as a group you call it in Arabic, Kharijait, which is, means a cult. And the Prophet described in this group as if he see them today. He said, will, be, will come a group that will use Islam to try to manipulate people. They may appear to be Muslim, but they have nothing to do with, my, with Islam. Therefore, this young man read this and wrote the descriptions and found it to be the same thing. He said about the same group. Uh, therefore, he was able to change his mind and, 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 and not only that, talking to other people uh, in, in this issue. Uh, therefore, I think, and, and not only me, I have seen uh, Muslim scholars around the world whom I talk to, whether in Sudan, or the Muslim scholars, uh, uh, you know, in uh, Middle East, uh, they were telling me that they talk to young people who want to do something and some of them would like to go overseas to fight. Uh, but the shift happened when they give them some support to say, by the way, if you want real help, this so many people in this country need your help. I spoke to a young man, unfortunately went to prison, who um, joined in ISIS, uh, and 16 years old. And I asked him, why did you join? He said, I want to help. There's a, I have to stand for justice and so forth. I said, uh, and you thought this the way? He said, yes, I, I want to please God. And I, I put a question before him. I said, you know, your mother really worked very hard raising you. Is it correct? He said, yes. I said, did the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that taking care of your mother is a path to paradise? He said, yes. I said, do you know for sure, 100%, if you join ISIS, you will go to paradise? He said, no, I'm not sure. I said, why then you leave something you're so sure about, which is here, your mother, to go to something you're not sure about it? At that time, he broke up and he started crying. Because you need to use the language that that person understands. That's why I, I said before, in different meetings, and those meetings, some of them you're in, this is unseen, they call the world of unseen, of, of the theology of, of, uh, of life to come is part of this uh, 
recruitment uh, methodology. Promising people, if you die, you die for something greater, and God will be pleased with you, and you'll be remembered in history as a person who have done something with humanity, but you're gonna go to paradise. For a young person, leave medical school and go and blow himself up, because he believed that there's a something beyond this better for him than this. But when you tell them you're taking a risk, and it's not gonna be as you think, that will make them rethink. Because he taking he risking everything for something of greater reward of something that infinite blessing, they call it. When he told him that, by the way, from the religious perspective, you have taken a great risk. That's not going to be the case. Then a person rethink the position. Therefore, I do believe that um, not only the psychological aspect of it, of the sense of purpose, but also of the interpretations of the belief system of this life versus life to come. Uh, and that's very, very important dimension. That's why some people don't understand why a person who highly educated come from upper middle class would will kill himself. Like 19 hijackers. None of them was poor. None of them lack of education. None of them lack of opportunities. Why did they do it? Therefore, I would like to make a point here that people who uh, just cite one single reason for violent extremism, always they go wrong. It's true, in some area, is money issue. It's true. In some area, it is the, the lack of freedom people express, uh, experience in their country. It is another area, it is how the government in that locality treated the people in that place. And as a sense of revenge and revenge, they joined this group. They want to have revenge, okay? They want to get back onto the government. It's not only theological, but it's uh, emotional, psychological. Therefore, in one, uh, in, in one case, it's only theological. If a person believes that I fulfill everything in, in this life, now I have to think, look for life to come, and I want to guarantee that's life to come, therefore I'm gonna kill myself. Therefore, in each situation, you have to use different methodology to address this, uh, uh, this recruitment, uh, recruitment uh, methodology or recruitment uh, uh, techniques that people have used. Yeah, and you talked about the very natural tendency of young people to want to make a difference in yes. this world. And mm -hmm. they're really... To take a risk. Right, exactly. You have some uh, teenagers who are driving 100 miles per hour in the highway. They, 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 they risk their life. I mean, it's a part of adolescence, right? Yeah, trying uh -huh, to find uh -huh, your identity uh -huh, and uh -huh. trying to push the boundaries. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, you know, my question is, how do we think about creating those kinds of opportunities for dignity and justice and purpose in a way that is serving the community, uh -huh. as you mentioned, rather than, you know, joining this? Yes, uh, we, we are approaching this in, in different various uh, um, aspects. One of them is that we created a website called onetrueislam.org where we address the issue of theology. But we created a Muslim uh, Compassionate Corps, which is a branch of International Interface Peace Corps, to give young people, it will be launched this summer officially, that we can have young people work together. And by the way, this is the first time I'm announcing it publicly. Yes, that we're gonna have the young people get together and we give them faith-based uh, uh, volunteerism 
We're going to talk about the Prophet Muhammad, as peace be upon him, as a, a leader of compassion, as a model of compassion. Uh, and then we talked about why we need to work together to improve the condition of our society. Then we would cho choose a, a project people, youth will be working on in region, in every region. Then they would come and compete, you know, nationally on, on who have done better. Uh, we give them an award. And those who win the, the award, they will work in the national uh, project. And then people who work in the national project will be selected to go and work overseas with their counter-Muslims in other Muslim countries. We plan to create a global movement, Muslim Compassion Core, and branches for it all over, United, uh, all over the world, where people download videos about their actions and so forth, and what they have done, what kind of transformation they have done in society. And we have to create the excitement. We have to make it cool with songs, with like, you know, the, the, the people are using. Uh, with the sense of purpose, scholarship, leadership training, and so forth. And, 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 uh, and, and, uh, and, and to have the young people talk about it in social media and each group in their own community recruit more people. We need recruitment, but recruitment for compassion. Right. We want people to recruit one another. We need people to influence one another. We need people to start tweeting and not having the young person to sleep by asking to do something good, get him excited about it. That, that's what the, what the ISIS do and the others, they, they, they really master the social media. And this young man I was talking to, unfortunately, went to jail. When I used to counsel him before he went to jail, I would be talking for one hour, and ISIS would undo him after three, four hours because they are on him and, and creating this virtual, exciting society. We want men and women, young people, to do the same. And we want also to engage uh, religious uh, uh, leaders and imams and second generation imam uh, have them to especially people who are popular we have we have uh, young imams in America they have one million people in their Facebook one million people yeah therefore those are the people that we're gonna have them to engage with us into this uh, in this journey and I would be someone like me would be in the background and have the young people to take the things are run with it. I think that's terrific. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oftentimes we talk about creating that kind of mobilization, mm -hmm. but in a positive way Absolutely. for tolerance Absolutely. and for understanding and mm -hmm. for diversity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what you're doing, I think, is absolutely fantastic. That's and I appreciate what we're planning to do. Yeah, I appreciate that you announced it here. So my last question on that is, what kind of support do you need to bring those efforts to scale that you're not currently getting? What kinds of partners would we be helpful need, getting in this space? We need people of business to invest on young people. Without having a, you know, foundation and business people come with us in this journey, it would not be possible. Therefore, we want them to sponsor this gathering. We'd like them you know, to, uh, to give the young people opportunity for internship, for you know, uh, uh, a chance uh, to be part of, uh, I, I call it today, corporate America thinking. Uh, you know, how can you create your own business, entrepreneurship, uh, but through the volunteerism, in volunteering network. We like to create a platform where they get to know a CEO. I like, for example, uh, someone I worked with, uh, we work with foundation very closely, like Bill Gates. 
to come to speak to young people. I wanted the Steve Case, who a friend of mine from AWOL, to come to speak to them. I wanted, you know, the 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 uh, CEO of Coca-Cola. We want people to come and say, you know, we believe in you. You are Americans. You belong here, and 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 we celebrate your 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 effort. The, the more they see those people around them, the more they get the confidence that we can be them, and also they see them as appreciating the effort of, 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 of young people uh, in America. And one of the things that I want to bring also, we would like to team with the volunteer corps of Jewish community and Christian community, evangelical communities, so that people, after we do it among, among ourselves, among ourselves as a Muslim community, we would like them also to be exposed to the interfaith community and have done joint join project so that they, they, it creates also some sense of belonging to the, larger, uh, to the larger community. Right, because we know one of the issues is about social isolation. Exactly. So the degree to which you can bring people exactly. together. You know, you know, in my uh, um, research of recruitment, you, because you said the word isolation, this is the most important key word ever in recruitment. No one can be recruited if not isolated, ever. And I tell you what they do. Um, by interviewing the, the young people, interviewing their family, what the recruitment uh, person does, he will contact this person and first introduce them to some literature and some lectures and have them to join a class online. That's how it begins, a class online. And the person innocently joined a religious class online. As they join the class online, the teachers are praising them. Oh, great, you're online, great that you come to the class. By the way, I want you to do this research and that research and report it to me. Immediately, the young person feel like, oh my God, not only I'm in the class, but this teacher thinks so highly of me. Some of them, they teach them from Canada, some teach them from United Kingdom, or, or from America, from maybe different individuals who, whom they teach a class, an innocent class, so-called. And that is a gate sometimes to the recruitment. These classes being taught uh, sometimes in a way that represent us versus them. And thank God we have so many good people in America who are teaching our young people the right things online, whether from uh, Bayina programs and you know uh, Zaytuna and others uh, and an Alim program. We have good program that really teach young people the good things. They go to the wrong places where they go to an institution not being recognized in the United States. We don't know those people, who they are, those people. Individual teaching classes from their basement. And they become famous online. They created this YouTube uh, uh, channel. And then they tell the person that do not trust your parents. When, when they connect them to ISIS, they said, don't trust your parents. Your parents are not good Muslims. They don't know what you're doing. And they think that you're too young for this big mission. Don't listen to them. Take the risk. The same way the cult talk to young people. The same way the gangs talk to young people. And then, therefore, they created um, this uh, rift between them and their parents. They created this kind of mistrust between them and their parents. Therefore, the parents, they told me, then the, the kids start staying late at night, his room is on, or her room light is on. They don't know what's going on. They thought maybe they're just studying hard. 
they are talking to people overseas because of the different time difference. And they didn't realize that. And then the kids start using different terminologies, like us as versus them. The whole society is, is against us. We have to stand for our brothers and sisters around the world. So using terminology, the parents couldn't get exactly why the kids have changed. And they didn't realize the kids been taking classes online. Then the second step, don't trust your local imam. Don't go to the mosque. Because the local imam, uh, the imam is sold out. Your, your teachers, is not, uh, your sheikh, they have been captured by the government. Uh, they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have the courage to fight. But don't listen to this. That is third uh, you know, line of defense is gone now. The fourth line of defense is your friends. Do not associate yourself with Muslims and non-Muslim friends who do not dis, you know, support you in this effort. And be careful because they may corrupt your soul. And they quoted verses of the Holy Quran in every uh, you know, uh, uh, case they make for isolation. Then the, the guy or the young lady, now they, they don't have anyone. Then they present to them, if he's, if, he, if he's a male, they represent him a female. They said, you know, this could be your wife. You know, we have good society here and, and so forth. They start talking to him. And young people feeling like they want to do something and they want to get married. Some of them, they, they know their family is saying to them, you're too young to get married. But they are not dating in America. And therefore, they see this is an opportunity for them to be free and to be with somebody. And then they give them this picture of people in the, in, in the car and the back of, uh, you know, of a truck. You know, uh, very masculine picture for male, you know, carrying guns. And for female, they show them this picture of masculine young people to say, that could be your husband. That's how this recruitment takes place. And then they tell them, don't tell anyone about the plan. And they, they have them to just leave a note that they, they're leaving and they, they have to be very secretive and very confidential about it and so forth. Pretty private, I mean, and have complete confidentiality about this issue until they leave the country. Uh, and therefore, what we like to do, deconstruct all of that. We want people to belong to the mosque. We would like people to belong to a group. We would like people to have friend, friends that remind them to, to, to do the right things. We would like them to have scholars they listen to that motivate them. Therefore, we need, in order to deconstruct the, the whole uh, strategy of recruitment, you have to face it with the something similar. It cannot be a lecture on, on, on YouTube. You think that they're going to change people's mind. It's not going to happen. It cannot be come from the government of creating a center of countering messaging coming from the State Department or coming from the Homeland Security uh, uh, talking to the FBI on this issue. It's not going to help. It has to help from the Muslim community. It has to be from the Muslim community to take a sense of ownership of facing this issue. Uh, of course, I, 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 the only countering message that could be good from the government is when the, when the government talking to American Muslims and saying, we are not treating you as suspect. We're treating you as prospect. And you have every right to disagree with the government, every right to disagree in foreign policy, every right to, to speak on the behalf of, of people that you believe that being been oppressed overseas. But we need also to help our community to use civic engagement as the means and ways to speak to the power, to speak to the government. That's why 
in, in Adam Center, we have um, town hall meetings, politicians, elected officials, and we have the largest Boy Scout Girl Scout program because we believe that where the American identity and Muslim identity become one. That's why you see many young people with the American flag on the shoulder standing in the prayer line uh, and they feel a sense of purpose. But we want to border this uh, issue and target um, uh, university student. We're going to target high school student to join this uh, Muslim Compassion Accord. Great. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time, but the one last question I wanted to ask you is, is there anything you want to share with our listeners that you think is misunderstood about violent extremism or the responses yes. to it? Many people raise the question, where are the moderate Muslims? Really? Really? You have not seen a moderate Muslims? Is your neighbor, is your doctor? Have you been in lately, you visited your doctor lately, maybe you need to have a checkup? That moderate Muslims are all over the place. And there's tons of materials online of Muslims condemning violent extremism. And my fellow Americans said we didn't hear it. I don't know who fault is this, that we said it so many times. And I would like to say to my fellow Americans, American Muslims are in the first line fighting violent extremism. This is our fight. We like to protect our community, to protect our country. We're in this together. Don't ever listen to us versus them. This is a narrative of ISIS. If anyone feed into it, have helped ISIS, have betrayed this country, have betrayed the Constitution. We have to be true to our values. We have to stand shoulder to shoulder upholding American Constitution and American values. We have not to allow the narrative of Al-Qaeda or Shabaab, Boko Haram, ISIS, and so forth to be our narrative. American Muslims, some of them lost their life defending this country. I presided over a funeral of a young man from this community, went to Berkeley University, was doing his PhD, went and enlisted himself, not because he needed the money. He, the government was not paying his, his scholarship. His father well to do. He come from a well-to-do family. He went to fight for America and to help the United States and to help the Iraqi people. And he went and part of the mission to dismantle uh, cash weapons from the civilian neighborhood. And he, he died. I preside over his funeral. We have two members of my family, of, of this community, considered like my family, who died in 9-11. In 2005, they find the DNA, the ashes of them, and they presided on their funeral. That was the most difficult funeral ever, ever I presided over. Those are my family. That those are people that are victims of 9-11 like anyone else. Or we're talking about the, the, the firefighter who lost his life in 9-11, who's a Muslim from New York, tried to save people. American Muslims, really value the freedom they, 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 they live here, they, they, they experience in America, and the life they have in America. You have to remember American Muslims like Muhammad Ali, American Muslims like Karim Abdul Jabbar, those are the American Muslims. It's not only the Syrian refugees, although Syrian refugees, we should provide them you know, a chance to become American because America is, was established on refugees. People. Uh, left uh, Europe because of persecution, because of lack of religious freedom, 
And in America today, we have to provide the same opportunity for others. Therefore, that's what I would like to say to, to, say to them. I lose the sleep over this more than anyone else. As a Muslim, I mean. Many Muslims lose, lose sleep over this issue because we hear all the time, uh, American Muslims are not loyal enough. American Muslims cannot become president. American Muslims cannot join the cabinet. American Muslims have a problem with the Constitution. I want to say to them, we don't believe in any law in this land except the Constitution. We do not want to establish Sharia in this country. This is a lie. American Muslims are very happy that many of them, they left countries where they were living there and born and raised to America to, to chase American dream. We are not in any way going to betray this country. And therefore, Violent extremism is a criminal activities, like gangs in this country, like the 94% the of violent extremism in America, and terrorism committed by non-Muslims, 94%. And therefore, not only Muslims, uh, people come from Muslim background, they're doing this, 94%. Therefore, you need to think that we need to work together to create a harmonious society, a peaceful society, and peaceful community, and we're into this together for my children and your children and grandchildren. Imam Majid, I want to thank you so much for okay. your thoughts and for generously welcoming us uh, to smile. the Adams Center, but most of all for the amazing work and okay. the important work that you're doing thank here you at the so Adams Center. Thank you so much for inviting me.